Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niego, the 2022 president-elect for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Christina Eanes, the vice president of marketing and communications. We also have Helena Hodges, vice president of finance and operations as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing the speaker, project manager, People Potential Accelerator, 2020 to 2022 ATD National Advisor for Chapters, known as NAC, and the author of Adaptability in Talent Development, Dr. Esther Jackson. Welcome, Esther. Thank you, Kylie. It is so great to be here with the group and joining the chapter for this podcast. Exciting stuff. Yes, exciting stuff. Before we jump into our topic of adaptability in talent development, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure, happy to do so. I started actually in my matriculation going to school for K through eight education. And surprisingly enough, along the way, I pursued a role that was in the public sector, working for local government in my state. And from there, which is the state of Michigan, from there is how I was exposed to the field of talent development, which then we knew as training and development for the most part. And learned about the opportunities for employees to go to classes, attend training opportunities, and there's no principal's office, no homework, no parent-teacher conference. (laughs) Just a complete shocker to me, along with finding out this is all in the College of Education where I was attending school, which was Wayne State University. So I did that for a few years working in the starting role that I had in that training division, which was actually clerical administrative work. Once I graduated with my undergrad as a K-8 educator, there was the opportunity for me to actually take on a training role. And from that point, I decided to pursue my master's in instructional technology, which is what the curriculum was at the time. So I continued work with city government. I went through a number of roles for organizational development specialist, HR training specialist, project manager, as well as HR training manager. And it allowed for me to tap into various areas with like not only facilitation for various course topics. I think I was doing like maybe around 30 different course topics soft skills, hard skills, but it also allowed me to get a taste for instructional design, get a taste for change management. I had a change management lead role and even get into what was involved with developing e-learning. So all of those really allowed me to tap into a lot of the dynamics with talent development 
as well as getting some exposure to project management. So with my master's, I was able to find out more with the fundamentals of project management, and that allowed me to really tap into a passion for both. Once the city role that I had involved me getting in the line of folks who were targeted for, hey, we need to do some downsizing. The budget is not what it was for training. I was also one who was asked to go on the contract as opposed to being laid off. From there, I decided, hey, I really need to get my skills built up and make myself more marketable. And that opened me to the world of ATD. And at the time, we were ASTD, American Society for Training and Development, and I got involved with the local Detroit chapter. And that's pretty much how I became connected to the work as well as my affiliations with ATD. And from leaving the city work and the roles that I had, I went into the private sector with a local consulting company that specialized in doing custom work for really large-scale organizations. I had the role of project manager in instructional design. I did that for a few years. COVID hit, did another job change, and took on a role with a larger company as a project manager, which is the work that I'm doing now and have had the opportunity on the side to take part in doing work for other special projects, which may involve contract work being done for organizations in a nonprofit area, as well as other private organizations. And then I have been able to work with the awesome ATD chapter leaders that we have. And so in wanting to really take additional steps to give back and really share, I wrote a few articles and from there have had the opportunity to write a book as well. That's it. (laughs) From your plethora of experiences, um, why would you say the topic of adaptability is so relevant for our talent development industry and really to all professionals? That's a great question. For one, I would say that for the most part, Many do not recognize that adaptability is first and foremost the ability to respond to change and still keep performing. And we're just not talking about any kind of change. We're talking about change that was unplanned, conditions that were unexpected, things that are outside of your control. Yes. And when we look at talent development, So much of what we've experienced just in the last two and a half years have really forced us to tap into the ability to really exercise different skill sets under the umbrella of adaptability, whether that be how can we be innovative? How can we look to get a thousand folks skilled up or 15,000 folks skilled up? in a hybrid environment or in a remote environment because no one can meet in person? How can we take advantage of the accelerated pace of technology and still attend to the needs of our customers, of our clients? 
how can we position ourselves where we have a seat at the table and we have C-suite level staff who recognize the need for talent development to be at the table, to be in the room, to assist with those decisions? How do we position ourselves when it comes to HR and navigating that landscape of the policy changes needed because we're not in person 24-7. Now we're virtual. So that workplace has changed. It's not what it used to be. It's not traditional. And I love how Sherm, the CEO, called out three essential changes that we're seeing. The change with the three W's, the work, the worker, and the workplace. And those three are really critical areas where talent development, we have awesome opportunity to be involved in all three of those and play a really strategic role and how adaptability is harnessed so we can drive success at the organizational level, at team levels, as well as at the individual contributor level. I love how you very kind of systematically went through so many of the areas that are of interest to many of us in the field, getting that seat at the table. How are we supposed to embrace technology? There are so many aspects of the work that we do that have changed considerably. Yes. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what adaptability looks like at some of those stages. So you shared there's, you know, almost the individual level, the worker, and then there's the team and the dynamics that happen there and maybe even the organization. What are some of the characteristics of adaptable people or adaptable teams or maybe even adaptable workplaces? Oh, I love answering that question, <laughs> Stephanie, and I'll try not to do a dissertation in my response to it. <laughs> we'll, t- we'll take it. It's such an interesting concept. I mean, we're, we're here to learn. For sure. I'd like to start with the organization. Yeah. With the organization, if we look at that level, one thing that's come up in one of my recent presentations is there was a question that came up where folks didn't realize there are two different types of culture the organizational culture versus the culture of an individual when we talk about or think about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when we look at the organization and how they can harness and demonstrate adaptability, we're talking about things like, do they promote a learning culture? Adaptability is one that embraces the ability to learn what's new, learn what's needed, look at where we're going, forecast needs, and tap into what skill might be needed, what technology, what equipment might be needed, and the learning that goes with that. Also with that, for adaptability, we're really getting into learning agility. So not only am I learning what's needed here and now and what's needed for the future, but looking at where I need to let go of things. Do we encourage our workers to tap into? Do we allow the resources to be there at their disposal? Do we set them up for success with the learning opportunities, with the learning aspects? Are we still in a phase of uh, trying to figure the push-pull out when it comes to the learning and how to navigate that as Josh Bernson and his company so eloquently talk about? And also at the organizational level, we're talking about, is there a psychologically safe environment that allows for teams, that allows for leaders to be able to tap into ways they can share their ideas, collaborate, 
make suggestions without backlash, without feeling like, oh, what kind of question is that? Why, why would you suggest something like that? How crazy. And so that's where that psychological safety comes in and relevance to adaptability as well. And there's a connection there. And another thing at the organizational level with adaptability will also be being conscious and sensitive to change and recognizing when there's change versus we've always done business this way. Our clients have always been happy. Are you desensitized? Are you recognizing that where there's a shift, where things are going and maybe where you maybe need to make some adjustments before you are forced to, which COVID has shown us we've had to do. At the team level, we're talking about ways we collaborate and the adjustment that's needed technology, as well as how we are more inclusive. Yes, that's DEI, but hello, that's also adaptability. Looking at how we appreciate diversity in styles of working, diversity in styles of communicating, where there are strengths with one versus opportunities with another, and being able to exercise Dr. Covey's uh, habit number six, that synergy. One is strong as the head, another is strong as the arm, another is strong as the leg. And within that, you also have, with the team adaptability, a look at how we come together and can really appreciate the ideas that are shared and maybe vet them out to see what works, what doesn't work. And we're willing to step out as a team and take risk as needed. We're willing to give things a try, but we're also willing to say in instances where there's not enough time to try this out, but thanks for sharing without causing a shutdown. And then finally, at the individual level, I would say with adaptability, we're looking at so many of the skills that fit into the umbrella that I mentioned with how we see innovation for an individual how we see that learning agility, how we see them willing to take a risk, how we see them able to handle themselves under pressure when they are feeling like they're under the gun and they don't lose it. How self-aware are you when your emotions change and you're still able to maintain control or pick up on the emotions of others and help promote positive thinking and a growth mindset? I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about some of the different connections at each of those levels as well. There are little bits that really resonate kind of all the way through. And, you know, especially when you think about it, starting with the organization and working down to the individual. That gets me thinking about a big component of adaptability and talent development, which is the very appropriately named ADAPT model. And I'd love it if you could kind of walk us through a little bit about that model, you know, perhaps how you you came to really build so much of that. And then maybe a little bit about how we might be able to use something, whether it's at that individual level or even thinking through to team and organization. Definitely. With the ADAPT model, that was something that I originally designed and created in response to how teams and leaders could look at their approach to developing adaptability skills for their team, for their organization, for a group. And we start with the A in ADAPT, which represents assessment. Basically, that's taking a look at where you are when it comes to adaptability. There are a number of assessments out there 
there is one that I do recommend that has been pretty good, and it's done by a company called AQAI. They also happen to have a wonderful ACE model that's representative of adaptability. And AQAI is a great company because I have actually had the opportunity recently, uh, last year in the spring around this time, I completed my adaptability foundation certification, which is a AQ certification that they offer. And they specialize in adaptability and they've done a lot of research and work in that area. And so assessment would be the initial step before I can take steps to grow or look at building myself in a given area. I need to know where I am. So that's a pulse check. Then we get to the D. Determine. With determine, we're talking about based on me assessing where I am, getting those results, where do I want to be? What's my goal with my adaptability development? From there, we get to the next A, which is going to be analysis. That's talking about taking a look at what resources are available. So as a leader or as the higher up within an organization, not only taking it from a point of helping your staff, helping your workers, helping your team, direct reports to complete assessments, identify potential assessments that can be leveraged, seeing where they are, determining what the goals are for them individually, for them as a team, but then looking at what are the resources that have been made available. Where do the resources fall short and you may need to seek out external resources and analyzing what's going to help develop that plan, which takes us into the P and adapt. Planning based on what my goal is, what our goals are for adaptability and the resources that have been identified that are going to help fit the need and planning that out. So we're talking about something that's put in writing and we know when it comes to goal setting, have to go back to seven habits, which I absolutely love. Habit number two, begin with the end in mind. So I have the goal set, but we know a goal without a date from what I hear is just a dream. So we want to make sure it's a goal that's been identified that has that SMART criteria. criteria. It's specific. It's measurable. It's attainable. It's relevant and it is time oriented. It has that time element. And then finally, for the T, you're ready to take action. You have that plan from the P stage and now finally you are taking action. And that's pretty much the setup with the ADAPT model and how it's structured. I love, and that actually, that sounds like that could be applicable to a lot, learning and assessing a lot of different things. Um, I, I do have a question though. So you mentioned AQ and I've heard a lot of the language you use also uh, is, relation, is in relation to emotional intelligence. Can you uh, compare the two? Is what are, how, do, how are they the same? How do they differ? Certainly. One of the things I do initially in the book, Adaptability and Talent Development, is I really do a level set at the beginning to get into what adaptability is, as I mentioned before, being able to respond as as well as work through change that's unplanned, unexpected. And then I get into what that relationship is between adaptability 
and emotional intelligence. And what many have not heard or learned is, for me, the way I got exposed to adaptability was actually, I heard a speaker talking about something called AQ, EQ, and IQ. And I was pretty familiar with emotional intelligence or EQ, which is the emotional quotient. I have been studying it for a few years because I've done previous leadership training, supervisory training, looking at behavior profiles and found out emotional intelligence had a lot of impact and covered a lot of territory in that domain. So that sparked my interest in research steps that I took. When I heard him mention this AQ, I thought, what in the world is that? Found out it was the adaptability quotient, also known as the adversity quotient. EQ is the measure of one's skill in emotional intelligence. Similar to that, AQ is the adaptability quotient or the measure of one's skill in adaptability. From learning about emotional intelligence, I was familiar with Daniel Goleman's EQ model or his emotional intelligence model based on four quadrants. You have that quadrant which deals with the self-awareness. Do I recognize what presses my buttons? Do I recognize when my mood changes? Am I conscious or aware of what changes my mood or those foods that can help me move from one mood to another? Next to that, you have the social awareness quadrant where we get into that service orientation, that ability to appreciate differences, as well as the ability to be empathetic. Then you have the relational awareness quadrant, which gets into one's ability to influence others, to persuade others, to coach, to mentor. And then finally, you have the self-control quadrant. We talked about the self-awareness quadrant. I know what my moods are, when my mood has changed. I'm aware of myself. Well, with the self-control quadrant, when your mood changes, when your button is pressed, can you pull back? Do you lose control? Within that self-control quadrant is where we also find adaptability. And that forms that connection there. That's how we handle ourselves under pressure. Things that, oh, this wasn't a part of the plan. How do I handle this? Oh my goodness, the leader is coming at me. This didn't work. We don't have a plan B to back up plan A. How do I respond to this? You know, how are you able to handle your different direct reports coming at you? The vision is not working. We need to change course. That's the adaptability and a connection to emotional intelligence. And so many of those can be so difficult. For a lot of us, especially in the heat of the moment in a really challenging situation. So I'm wondering if you have any tips or go-to strategies that you might recommend to anyone out there who's looking to grow as far as their own adaptability is concerned. If that's an area where they'd like to strengthen a little bit, what are some of the, the tips or the resources or the ideas that you might have to recommend for people to really start to pursue that kind of growth? Yes. 
I will first say I am not one who has mastered that and I am a work in progress <laughs> like everyone else. And I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to recommend what I have in the book, which I am also putting into practice. One, read about the topic. I don't limit myself to just what I've read with the research idea for the book, but I'm looking at other materials out there, other things concerning change and how we respond to it. So definitely encourage doing some reading and even looking at review of articles where we see adaptability being put out there by various thought leaders. Another thing I would suggest is definitely getting feedback from those around you, those that you work closely with, those in your family even. And another step you definitely want to take is doing some self-reflection. Think back when things haven't gone, gone according to plan, personally as well as professionally. How did you respond? How do you feel you came across to others? This may be a direct question you ask others. This is also something we can answer for ourselves. The feedback from others is also good, though, because we can often intend things to come across one way, and we know perception can be totally different. Another step that I encourage folks to take is thinking about, I mentioned earlier, looking at how we can forecast, seeing how we can anticipate what's coming down the road, what may potentially change, being curious, taking a look at the way not only you do business, how business is done in your organization, but being curious about the way things work in other organizations that align to how you do business. That can sometimes afford you the opportunity to tap into your connections, those who do similar work to you those affiliations you have, whether it be with your local ATD chapter, hint, hint, or even <laughs> your LinkedIn network or others, and having those conversations so you are able to collaborate and get glean ideas, share pain points. And another tool I highly recommend would be the TD capability model that ATD put out there. Provides wonderful insight that may not necessarily call out adaptability, but to be honest, that model is completely based on adaptability because it also speaks to how ATD rationalized moving from looking at competencies to putting more focus on capabilities, which speak to what do we need to know how to do and be aware of in terms of knowledge now, while also keeping our line of sight on what looks to be coming down the road, anticipating change, being ready for how things are changing course. And so that's something else I would definitely encourage folks to leverage. And then finally, what I started with, if you don't want to consider the actual ADAPT model that I mentioned, your, your first step still needs to be some type of assessment. After maybe, if you don't want it to be your first step, maybe getting brought up to speed a bit more with adaptability, but assessment needs to be one of the initial steps that you look at taking. And even if you choose not to go with the ADAPT model, applying some type of model or some type of process for how you walk through the stages 
to be successful with adaptability is going to really work to your advantage. Yeah, I think actually leading with the concept of curiosity, you know, really leaning into doing some research and reading two of your suggestions will definitely take you to some of those great resources. And without question, the ADAPT model, which is something that I personally love and have used several <laughs> times. But awesome. I think you already know I love the book. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Of course. No, really, it's it's fantastic and well worth getting a copy. That's just my unsolicited plug for you. But Esther, we are getting close to the end of our time together. It's kind of a shame in a way that we save the hardest questions for you for last. But <laughs> we have reached our rapid fire segment. So we wrap up every episode with just a couple of rapid fire style questions. Each one of these questions should take no more than 60 seconds to respond. So what do you say? Are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready, Stephanie. <laughs> Bring it we'll, on. <laughs> we'll see what we can do, right? All right. Your first question. Again, I'm sorry. These are the hard ones today. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. Well, aside from adaptability and talent development, I would <laughs> definitely say No Limits by John Maxwell. Mm. I love his books. No Limits stands out for me. Because he deals so much with your mindset, even beyond a growth mindset. What are you telling yourself? How do you review your, your life experiences, what you've done, where you're looking to go, how you analyze and reflect? Such, such a wonderful resource to check out. No limits. I've got that one on my shelf too. Very good recommendation. All right. <laughs> Your second rapid fire question. What is one tool that you can't live without? Oh, I'd have to say my schedule planner app on my mm. phone. It, it keeps me balanced, keeps me feeling like I can control those things that are within my realm of control until those changes pop up, Stephanie, that are outside of my control <laughs> and I adapt accordingly. But until I, then, yeah, the time management piece <laughs> with my planner and scheduler, that's my go-to tool. I love the calendar as an adaptability tool. I don't know if I thought about that in those terms, but I think you're right. That may be one of our best adaptability tools out there. That's terrific. All right. Last question for you. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice. That's a tough one. I want to go with this one. You teach people how to treat you with your actions, your responses, how you present yourself, how you show up. You teach people how to treat you, what you will accept, what you won't accept. And what you contribute and bring. That is a really powerful piece of advice. I And I, wow, that's one I'll take with me. That's lovely. Beautifully stated too. Thank what you. you shared with us, Esther, has been so relevant today. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure. This has been a wonderful experience and really appreciate the invite. Thanks for having me. Yes, and thank you to my co-host as well. 
Oh, this has been a, a great learning experience. Thank you. Yeah. And Esther, you know, I love talking with you. I would talk with you all the time, but this really has been really eye-opening. I mean, just so many great tips and ideas. I think there are going to be a lot of people out there getting much more serious about what it means Mm -hmm. to be adaptable. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. And Stephanie, I have to just add, you know, after dialogue with you, Stephanie, I feel smarter. Anytime I have dialogue with you, I feel smarter. That is so, thank you. That is one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. I really appreciate that. It's so true. You know it's mutual. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. So many thanks to our community for listening today. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community to learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities. Check out dcatd.org for upcoming chapter events, learning programs, member benefits, and so much more.